Welcome to How to Love Forever. In this episode, we get silly. We discuss how beneficial play can be within our relationships. We share the most common ways partners play with each other. And we spill the tea on the secret pet names we have for each other. All coming up right Right now. now. Hi. I'm Marco. And I'm Heather. We invite you on a journey of discovery as we explore techniques, tools, and inspiration to better our love lives and our sex lives. Join us as we travel the world, seeking out the stories that can help improve how we do romance and relationships. Come with us as we discover how how to to love love forever. Hi, and welcome to today's episode of How to Love Forever, where we boldly explore love, relationships, and sexuality. I'm Heather. And I'm that fool, Marco. (laughs) So yesterday was Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Happy Valentine's. And in light of this oh-so-romantic holiday, we thought we'd do (laughs) an episode all about how to make relationships uh, fun. 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 Fun, right? We like fun. That's the whole point. Fun is good. Fun is the point. (laughs) Uh, Fun is the point. So, do you and your partners get playful with each other? Do you bring silliness into your daily lives to break up all the mind-numbing mundanity of having to get shit done? Getting shit done. Getting shit done. So when a lot of people think of play, we usually think of like kids' pastimes, right? You know, playing hide and seek or house or imagination, all sorts of stuff. But for us adults... definitely played doctor in my day (laughs) even before our days (laughs) but as i was saying with the adults you know things can be kind of limited what do we got we got video games we have board games we've got some sports but generally daily lives can be kind of fucking boring right Mm -hmm. gotta be all serious with the responsibilities so play has been shown to be highly beneficial for both mental and physical health Mm -hmm. it can benefit our lives in all kinds of ways like reducing stress, making interactions with others more fun and positive. Positive. It can boost creativity and it can help us be more physically healthy and just feel good. But, Marco, how Mm -hmm. does it affect our romantic relationships? Well, let me tell you. So this may come as a surprise, but over here at How to Love Forever International Headquarters. So. Yeah, it's so like 007. Mr. (laughs) Bond. Yeah, we love science-based research. We sure do, baby. Oh, it's so sexy. (laughs) All those stats and numbers. Mm. I want the bacon. (laughs) So this may come as a surprise. It really does. But according to studies we were able to pull up on the web, the research that has been done on play and specifically play within a romantic structure, it suggests that couples who are playful with each other tend to have a deeper and more satisfying relationship. Yeah. Big surprise there. I know. Super surprise. And guess what? They last longer, too. Especially one particular type of play. You want to know what type of play that is? Stick around and find out. It's not butt play. (laughs) Or it could be. You don't know. (laughs) Yeah, you don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So getting into the meat of it, uh, let me just reiterate. It's a sad fact of life that we modern humans get less playful as we age. And why is that? Well, you know, play requires a bit of freedom and space, spare time, a laid back brain. By definition, it's not a productive activity. Right. Not in the direct sense of the word anyway. So as we grow, the stresses of life and our harried schedules, you know, all of that can negatively impact on our human relationships. It can erode our personal sense of well-being. It can even suck the playfulness out of life itself. 
Yeah, it's stupid. And mm. in losing that sense of play, we actually end up losing more than we realize. It can come as a surprise, but scientists have been researching all different kinds of psychological functions that play serves in romantic relationships, and they're discovering that the benefits are way bigger than like the occasional chuckle, right? Hmm. As I was saying earlier, play, it can give us a sense of security. It relieves the stress. It offers a safe and healthy way to communicate boost that creativity, and it can even help us resolve conflicts. Wow. So if we're serious about cultivating a close and lasting relationship, we might just have to find our own ways to dance and play through life. Hmm. I like that. So here's an added benefit. Playful adults even have more romantic partners. No, Say what? Seriously, man. Check it out. Check it out. Ooh, oh, hey. Studly. <laughs> so according to research published in Evolutionary Human Sciences, playfulness is associated with having a higher number of short-term and long-term relationships. Well, that explains a lot about us, it? Kinda it kind of does. It's like... <clears throat> <laughs> um, other research before had demonstrated playfulness to be a favored characteristic in seeking potential long-term partners for both women and men. Because... People look for playfulness, uh, but women look for it for different reasons than men look for it, you know? Like, okay. Like, people look for playfulness, like humor and a fun-loving attitude and potential partners. Uh, it might serve as a potential indicator of other desirable mating qualities. Like, mm -hmm. for men, for example, it indicates a tempered aggressiveness to women. You know, you can you can chill out. You're not a dangerous male. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. In women, it might signal youthfulness and thus like greater fertility to men. Isn't that funny? You know, <laughs> so uh, um, you know, even though these studies are focused on like heteronormative relationships, I'm pretty sure these results can really be interpreted and extrapolated in ways that are relevant to most relationship types. I mean, you can figure out where it fits in for you. I think it's probably pretty universal. I would imagine so. And of course, we're attracted to partners for different reasons, but there are underlying things that really just kind of go across the board. And you know what else? Being playful, it helps to keep you young and energetic, right? So hmm. it promotes neuroplasticity by encouraging out-of-the-box thinking, you know, being creative, creative, and then making connections between previously unrelated neurons, therefore creating new synapses, synapses. and then getting active when you play releases all the yummy chemicals. 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 So you got endorphins, you got a dopamine, you got adrenaline. Adrenaline. And I think with adrenaline. Adrenaline. <laughs> if you're playing with your partner and you're being silly and maybe doing a tickle fight or, or running around the house just being totally dumb, right? <laughs> the adrenaline is increased. It actually turns you on. So it, in, it increases your sex drive. It does. I would also posit that when you're playing with your romantic partner, it boosts your oxytocin levels. So that's the love, the bonding chemical, right? Oxytocin. Oxytocin. I love this quote, and you know it, the one by George Bernard Shaw. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? It totally sums it up. We don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. Boom, bitch, there it is. God damn. <laughs> Stupid. Truth bomb. Truth bomb, ladies. It's like, stay on target. Stay on target. Truth Focus, bomb. Marco. Thank you, George Bernard Shaw. You're a true Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so why should we be playful? Well, um, oh, I got one. Uh, playfulness just feels good. It mm. makes you laugh. It mm. makes you smile. Like you said, it's all the good chemicals. All the good chemicals. I would also say it supports the relationship. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but uh, it's also 
a prelude to seduction. You know, it's a kind of play that can invite an evolution into a more serious kind of physical play. And, you know, like it becomes a seductive thing and makes sex more enjoyable, for example. Because maybe it's getting your adrenaline levels up. Uh Mm -hmm. Adrenaline. And it's, yeah, it's opening things up together. And speaking of opening up, you're able to communicate things more effectively, right? Mm -hmm. So if we can tease our partner about their faults and oddities, it's a way of like quietly pointing them out without dropping the truth bomb. Without the sting of criticism, kind of. Mm -hmm. Like how I do with you, like... Hey, babe, where's my computer charger? And you're like, I didn't take it. Whoa, I'm like, what do you mean? You're blaming me for everything. <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, how did it end up over there? Oh, my goodness. It must have grown legs and wandered off on its own, right? Yeah. It definitely wouldn't have been you who took it. No, we often Because you never attribute... take things from no, me. Absolutely. Whenever something's <laughs> gone missing and it ends up being in exactly the place where I dropped it, we, we usually blame like the gremlin in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like, you know, oh, those damn... I don't know, ferrets or something like that. We're like, ah, I guess the magical ferrets were here again. Well, actually, do you remember during the pandemic when we were like stuck just with each other all this time? Ah, blissful days. But we had to have somebody to blame things on. (laughs) Who was the name of the person? Oh, Barbara. Barbara did it. Barbara. 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 Why does he always steal my shit? Why didn't Barbara did the f***ing dishes last night? <laughs> Barbara said Barbara. she was going to. I keep saying we need to fire her. She also neglected to start the laundry this morning. F***ing <laughs> Barbara. <laughs> no matter if it was you or me, it was always f***ing Barbara. It's always Barbara. <laughs> it's a really good way to just be silly and take it off of the uh, yeah. the seriousness of so, our relationship. Yeah, and that's the other you know reason why playfulness is good to have is because it can help loosen up a tense situation, you know, reminding you and your significant other that despite whatever the stresses you're under, you're still together. You're you're like mm-hmm. in it together in a safe and loving relationship. So yeah, blame the imaginary f***ing Barbara in the room. F***ing Barbara, 100%. Well, and I love the fact, too, because I strongly feel that silliness is a form of vulnerability, speaking Mm. of being in a safe relationship. And if we get to... If we get to open ourselves up and be silly in a way that allows our partner to open themselves up in a silly way, then we're both safe and we're supported, you know? And it requires a certain level of intelligence. Yeah. Right? I would say yes. I'd say yes. So I think I'll say yes. Let's just say yes. 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 I would like to concur with my esteemed colleague. (laughs) (laughs) Who that? So that's all playful reasons, you know, to be playful. But um, also there's a couple of caveats that I want to cover. It's about what playfulness doesn't do. You know, Mm -hmm. like say, for example... Playful relationships are not for avoiding conflict. Right. You shouldn't be avoiding conflict by turning it into play. You should simply be sort of like judoing that conflict. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's about addressing a thing without the threatening attitude of a direct confrontation. Right. You know, so one might assume that fighting, for example, in a relationship is always a bad thing. It's a sign that your relationship is all screwed or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's not necessarily the case. I mean, fighting could be a necessary part of relationships. It's all about how you handle the fighting though you know because fighting conflict all of these things arguments they keep us passionately engaged and conflict is better than apathy Mm. Mm -hmm. if in your relationship you've gotten to the level where you just don't care anymore you're not playing anymore and worse yet you're not confronting each other anymore. That's why I say that conflict is better than apathy because it, it, it shows that you care you're fighting because you care Conflict can express those unattended needs Mm -hmm. and 
find ways to have them met. Oh, I fully agree. And and the couples who learn to mix fighting with a balance of play end up being happier, right? So mm-hmm. when there's more play in the relationship, the fighting becomes less of a big deal because the playful aspect, well, it tempers the friction. It helps us lower our guard and our defenses so we can hear what the other person is trying to get across and then we can be heard in return. Yeah, I totally agree. Like I just said, conflict, even badly handled conflict, at least means both sides are still concerned about how things turn out in the relationship. So the key is to put the energy into fighting for the relationship instead of fighting against it. And Mm -hmm. in certain ways, that means learning how to handle the conflict. But the conflict itself is good. It's proof that you're engaged. And it shows that you care. So it's all about finding strategies to best handle it. And Mm -hmm. play can definitely be a useful strategy. Ma'am, yes, ma'am, ma'am. Also, something else I wanted to talk about that it can be hard to find when couples are always together. Like you and I, we work together. We live together. There is a lot of time spent together. Yeah, and when, even before pandemic. Even we before tend to be pandemic. a 24-7 kind of couple. Uh, I would say like 23-7, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that time spent in the bathroom, I guess, is our <laughs> private time. <laughs> Well, we do make, we do like make an me effort. Me hovering over you while you're peeing. It's like, yeah, oh, no, God, just no. hanging out. Just hanging out, baby. No, please. <laughs> there's there's got to be boundaries. <laughs> now, and we do make time to, to have our own lives. But when a couple's in a situation like ours, they can find that conversations about work can take over. Yeah. So it's really important to mix things up and experience new, exciting activities together. Uh, Marco and I make it a point to do something different every week because, yeah, it can be fucking mundane. And when we get into a rut, well, we're just not having as much fun. Our sense of connection is less satisfying for Mm -hmm. both of us. So we need to mix it up. And it's important to do so. We're a bit on the hedonistic, epicurean side of our life philosophies. Mm -hmm. And we believe that relationships are meant to be fun. They're supposed Mm. to be conduits for a greater enjoyment of life. Mm -hmm. Anyway, when you do work together a lot, when you spend a lot of time like that, yeah, power struggles can become a common source of friction, you know? I mean, like when you share a home office or just sharing the tasks of managing a household, you know, like washing the dishes or mopping the floor, doing the laundry, these kind of things. Don't tell me how to talk into a microphone. (laughs) I will always tell you how to talk into a microphone. (laughs) So bossy. (laughs) No, especially during the pandemic. I mean, like this whole work from home epidemic has Mm. made it a lot more common for a lot of just regular people who are unaccustomed to this new kind of like, you know, more life together. Right. So much time spent in the same place. Exactly. Like your Mm -hmm. living room has become your home office, all of that, you know. Mm -hmm. So mundanity, it, it really does threaten playfulness at every turn. Mundanity is the enemy of playfulness. And eventually... Couples often find themselves only talking about stuff like bills and budgets and to-do lists. And then the other part of the time, they're just like zoning out with what's called soft addictions, like just smoking pot or doing games or television instead of just engaging with each other. Right, because the disconnect, it's like you spend so much time being bored together, you just need to take a break from it instead of specifically like breaking out of the routine and working to find new ways to make things exciting, you know, uh, stimulate how alive you feel together. Exactly. Right? Yeah, so, because if you're bored together 100% of the time, you're not having fun together. Well, and, and so why would why you stay 
Yeah. Why would you stay with somebody who's just boring all the time? Yeah. Why tune in? You got to create those new experiences. And uh, luckily, they're found everywhere. There is no shortage of opportunities to live a greater, more enjoyable, more fun life. So I want to elucidate a little bit on that because I want to point out that how we live our life is often determined by how we perceive life, mm -hmm. right? We all have filters, right? We all have different filters. You know, you can have the victim filter or you can have the entrepreneur filter or you can have the go-getter filter, you know, like every kind of filter. And, mm -hmm. and playfulness involves seeing life as more like a game than a battlefield. Oh, yeah. This is important to keep in mind when you want to naturally attract more playfulness into your world. Which filter are you using to view your life and therefore to interact with your life and your relationships, which are a big part of your life? Yeah, 100%. And think about it. If you can interject a playful remark or a gesture that helps loosen up a tense situation, mm -hmm. then it reminds your loved one that even though things suck right now, you're still in that safe and loving relationship. You're still with somebody who enjoys spending time with you and wants to be with you. Yeah. And it can take a lot of social intelligence to know when and how a lighthearted joke is the thing to lower the intensity of a fight or, you know, general disagreement. Yeah. But guess what? Research. I love your research. <laughs> it suggests that it's a skill that we could all benefit working on. Yeah. So teasing, for example, that's another playful behavior. And that can walk the delicate line between positive and negative, which, you know, th that's why play is always a negotiation because mm. real relationship play challenges the ego while emphasizing the togetherness. Oh, I like that. So it's tricky, right? Um, mm -hmm. Our lover has to perceive that intention to be playful, to be willing to join the game and instead of feeling like they're being casually attacked. Right. Which is why fucking Barbara is so useful. Yeah, fuck, absolutely. Right. It's having somebody that you both know it's fictional. It doesn't matter, but it allows you to kind of vent about something you're frustrated mm -hmm. and not using it as a direct attack on your loved one. Yeah. So it's like a little lighthearted tease, uh, but expressed or delivered in a way that isn't like a like a forward attack on somebody's sense of ego. Right. So, you know, that kind of successful teasing is always a matter of understanding your partner's needs in the moment. Mm -hmm. So it requires that kind of emotional intelligence emotional intelligence mm -hmm. you know the ability to see your partner's mental state at any given time mm -hmm. yeah and you know how uh so many couples out there have all those little nicknames for each other Blech. right i we know never oh, do that. Gross. oh that's Ew. so disgusting Ew. Ew. oh no <laughs> or all the uh all the inside jokes Ugh. like fucking barbara Pearl. uh well it turns out that that is one of the most common forms of play right yeah no, we have all kinds of names for each other. Hey, take note, love bunnies, because we are about to disclose to you our secret nicknames for each other. Cue tense music. Okay, so I call Heather Monkey. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And then, Heather, what do you call me? I call him Foofy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even remember where it came from. Sounds heroic, doesn't it? <laughs> I call him Foofy, Foofy McFoofy Foof, yep, uh, I Foofy call... McFoof Face. Yes. So she she calls me Foofy McFoofy Foof and Foofy McFoof Face, and I call her Madame Le Floofy Floop. <laughs> We do have a lot of nicknames for each other. But... Yeah, it depends on the level mm -hmm. that we're feeling with each other on that particular moment. Because, mm -hmm. you know, if we're feeling a little more horny or whatever, I may call her, I may call her my hot, funky love monkey. 
And it works for me. And I, when he puts his glasses on, uh, I call him Professor Sex. Professor Sex. Because <laughs> it magnifies his beautiful eyes and they're just so limpid and sexy. I'm like, Argh. So y'all puking yet? That's right. You're all puking at this point. You're like, okay, that's it. I am unsubscribing from the podcast. I am never going to listen to this puke fest ever again. <laughs> well, unless they've, uh, they might have fallen into a diabetic coma from all the sweetness and they just can't hit that button. Go brush your teeth will wait we'll be yeah we'll be here <laughs> no really getting back to the science of it though it turns out that scientists have really done their research and they've identified three different kinds of play kind of on a psychological level so What's the first one? Yeah, so the first one is other-directed, and I didn't really understand that until I read the definition. It's the kind that draws others in to enjoy the silliness and to participate in the silliness and good cheer. So other-directed playfulness is like teasing. Yeah, because you're reaching out, right? Yeah, to the you're person. working so, to have so the other person. So you're calling them funny names or you're daring them mm -hmm. to do something or, you know, it's engaging. Exactly. Engaging. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> What's the next one? Well, the next one is intellectual play, right? And that's where we enjoy stuff like wordplay and creatively solving problems. So intellectual playfulness can be seen in people who like to like play with ideas and solve puzzles mm. and fuck with language. I think we can relate to that, I'm Marco. I'm a language fucker. Yeah, we do enjoy the language fuckery yeah. forthwith. <laughs> yes, I've been called a kundalinguist. Roll that around in your mouth. <laughs> well, and then you've got whimsical. And whimsical, it's like a general amusement with life and like a slightly oddball attitude, mm -hmm. which we can definitely relate to as well. But it's some it's liking unusual activities, people, or objects. Like if you're a particular kind of science fiction nerd or if you like to do silly little dance while you go grocery shopping, that kind of thing. Right. Like I take songs, like well-known songs, and I change the words to them depending on like what situation we're in. I do all the fucking time. Which may actually be kind of a cross between whimsical and intellectual play. But well, yeah. you know, I like to combine things. You do like to mix it up. Yeah. yeah. So with these three different styles, you know, science has discovered. <laughs> science has <Yeah>. discovered. <laughs> science has discovered. <clears throat> science has discovered that similar playfulnesses they attract. So <laughs> people who were high in other directed playfulness, for example, those who enjoyed like playful teasing, they also had partners who were high rated in other directed playfulness too. And those yeah. who rated lower in other directed playfulness tended to end up in relationships with generally less playful partners. Well, that like sounds boring. What scientists like to term more serious people, right? <laughs> so, I don't think we know any of those. Um, oh, yeah. We definitely know some serious people, but uh, <clears throat> we don't talk to them very much because we annoy them. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when it comes to playfulness, though, birds of a feather really do tend to flock together that way. And speaking of playfulness, it can actually increase the number of love partners you can choose from. Whoa! I know. Dudley. Yeah. I mean, we kind of alluded to it earlier, but keep in mind, not all combinations are equal. 
So there was this Brazilian study that was published in Cambridge.org uh, in 2021, so just last year, hmm. that men who scored higher on the other directed kind of playfulness, they tended to have a greater number of both short-term and long-term partners. But on the other hand, women who scored higher on the whimsical kind of playfulness, they tended to have a higher number of short-term partners. Oh, that's interesting. Isn't that interesting? So whimsical, playfully, so playfully whimsical women. Yeah, that's a mouthful. Playfully whimsical. Whimsical women. I love a mouthful of playfully whimsical woman. So women who scored <laughs> but, higher on the whimsical thing, they tended to have a higher number of short-term partners. Short-term, oh, yeah. Little playgirls, huh? Yeah, I guess so. Or maybe they just didn't engage enough with their partners for their partners to want to do long-term. Because that's how I look at the uh, other directed kind of playfulness. It's engaging. It's asking the other person to play with you. Yeah. Whereas if you're just being whimsical, you're kind of just entertaining yourself. I kind of see that. Yeah. I totally see that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and then the lead researcher is quoted to say, playfulness is very complex. It can be divided into different kinds. Each type can affect some areas and not others or work differently for certain groups. So I know it's super clear. <laughs> But essentially, there's all different kinds of play, and you have to figure out what works best for you and your partners. They fit together like different shaped Legos. Totally. So let's talk about romantic relationships. Let's talk about love relationships. You know, what does romantic play look like? That's sexy. <laughs> I dress up like a pirate, and I bring <laughs> sticks of dynamite into the bedroom. Oh, God. <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> Not really, though. One of the most common forms of play, it really does seem to be like a, say, for example, a secret language that develops between couples, right? Yeah. Like from nicknames, like we were talking about, mm -hmm. to like these private in-jokes that develop over time. Mm -hmm. so, In Barbara. Yeah. I just want to point out, this is a microculture. This is a nation of two being developed. Mm. And you get this history together like a country. Your own holidays, your own rituals. This is the part of relationship building where these habits, these rituals, they come from a sense of play, from a sense of like improvising things and stuff. You know, this is a sure sign of your relationship strength and your intimacy together when you can build these things easily. Well, it's kind of like creating your story together. Yeah. Yeah, but you get to play together and, and it really does create the narrative narrative of your love story, right? Indeed. And so then you get to refer back to it. And do you remember at the beginning of the story when the prince, you know, came up on a big white horse and said something really stupid and you guys like <laughs> laughed your asses off? Anyway. Those kind of inside jokes, that kind of inside history. That's your your nation of two kind of microculture for sure. Totally. And then another really common way of playing is role play. So in the comfort of the romantic bubble. Like when I dress up like a pirate and stick a stick of dynamite in my mouth and I light it and I dance a tango in the bedroom. I mean, that's definitely that's definitely one way. Right. Um, or one might feel safe enough to be a puppy. Right. You know. Yeah. If that yeah. if that does it for them. Yeah. Or like, like in the episode with our friend with Dr. Dr. Amanda, Amanda Morgan, sexologist, where yeah. the one fella had the other fella as his little puppy pet. And it worked for them both. It worked for them. I mean, good on them. Role play is interesting and everyone can role play. And can you imagine how difficult that has been over the years for them to find partners who they feel safe enough with that they can be vulnerable and ask to have that sort of role play together? Yeah, that's got to be quite a search. But 
it also doesn't have to be that intense. It doesn't have no. to be like super kink, sexual role play like that. Of course not. You can just have like these little inside jokes where you are, say, for example, doing your best Elvis impression or something. Yeah. Or as I like break randomly into song, you know, like a freaking Disney character. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's fun. It's silly. It's completely stupid, but it works for us. It does. It does. And, you know, a lot of play obviously doesn't even require words. You know, for example, like when you do that silly dance together while shopping, mm. you know, or when you give each other goofy looks, like some crappy <laughs> thing happens that you've already talked about and you've covered that topic and like you give each other like these goofy looks. It's it's the secret communication. That's a kind of play. Or do you remember like if we're at a restaurant and our waiter is being super grouchy, all we have to do is like look at each other and we know what the other person is thinking. It's like, wow, this guy's fucking grouchy. That yep. is hilarious. <laughs> exactly. You know, so these are very subtle forms of very real play. And, you know, playfully stealing the last bite of food, for example, while your partner's not looking, you know, that's kind of a flirtatious play, you know, and that, <laughs> that turns a normally selfish act into an affectionate exchange. Or it sounds like the perfect opportunity to start that tickle fight. You give me back my food. <laughs> I have lots of scars on my hand from all the fork stabbings from me trying to get Heather's last bite. I, I do bite him a lot. I'm not going like to lie. Jesus. <laughs> and then there are those who get really structured with their play. Uh, they can invent all kinds of rules and games, and they can make absolutely no sense to anyone whatsoever. Yeah. But of course, yourselves, right? Yeah. And that's what's important. You know, when we first got together and stuff, like for the first few years, we used to go out to this open tennis court in the middle of the night. Mm. And we used to have this midnight round of what we called punk rock tennis. <laughs> it was punk rock because the only rule was keep the ball in the air. As long as it's bouncing, it's still in play, man. Just yeah, keep that's going. Right. That's right. <laughs> so it was just really fun. It was more like keep away with rackets you know but it was it was our game and we were the only ones that knew the rules and that was really nice it's super fun so with those kind of examples you can see that it's no surprise that playful couples are often really happy couples and it's, it works both ways if you want if you're a happy couple you'll naturally be a playful couple but if you become consciously playful, you'll become more happy. Yeah, I agree. And across many surveys, the people who are consistently more playful in their relationships, mm -hmm. they tend to experience more positive emotions. They enjoy a deeper sense of connection. And overall, they're more satisfied with their relationships. The communication is better, and then that helps to resolve their conflicts more easily as they arise, and they just view their relationships in a much more positive light. Mm -hmm, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You got to play, man. Got to play. Play is important. I think it's a vitamin. It's vitamin P. Okay, wait, that sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, no dogging on anybody's kinks. Yeah, no dogging on anybody's kinks, even if the kink is actually dogging. So... <laughs> I don't know. As a final thought, I, I really want to explore this quote from this marital therapist named R. William Betcher. Uh, Betcher what? Yeah, yeah, Betcher quote. So this one is one that I really liked and it really struck me. And I want to sort of share it with our audience of lovable love bunnies. Listen to this. Check this out. Boom. Playing is a reconnoitering of the unknown borders of two psyches whose contours can become reassuringly familiar only through the experience of mutual vulnerability and non-judgmental responsiveness. Mm. It is through playing that we learn how to approach someone else's more intimate self. That is beautiful. F yeah. F <laughs> 
Yeah, man. Boom, mic drop. But I'm not going to drop this mic. It's expensive. <laughs> Never drop the mic. Never drop the mic. <laughs> That's just dumb. That's no, I love that, though. The experience of mutual vulnerability and non-judgmental responsiveness. It's great, right? It's like, come on, let's play. Because it's like, okay, when you're playing, you're being more like children, right? Mm -hmm. And children have much less of an ego. An ego is developed mm -hmm. over time. That mm -hmm. whole identity thing that happens like at the beginning of your tween years and such. It's defining um, yourself as this and this and that when... You can just play. Yeah, just play. I love that. And you know, when we reflect on our own relationships, it's the playful moments that we really cherish. Yeah. In, in the routine of our everyday lives, two people who playfully construct a secret language and culture, it's solely their own. It's just for them. Like you said, it's a microculture, a little planet of two or more, but you know. It involves showing our partner the parts of ourselves that others don't get to see, mm -hmm. really. You know, that childlike, silly, vulnerable side that might not be socially acceptable at work or in other settings. Right. It shows our partners how much we trust them by allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and then it allows them and encourages them to do the same with us. I agree completely. Mm -hmm. And every couple's play will look a little different. That's the point. Mm -hmm. Again, it's about reinforcing the uniqueness of your relationship with this exclusive culture of two that you develop together, or three, or twelve, or however many people are actually romantically together in your relationship. No judgment. No judgment. Just, <laughs> just let your silly selves come out, appreciate the goofiness of your loved one, and do what makes you both smile. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> Them's troops. Okay. Mic dropping troops. <laughs> so today we explored how a sense of play is a beneficial addition to your relationship. We broke down the three main types of playfulness and shared a few examples. We saw how being a playful person can actually increase your number of potential partners. Oh, you yeah. go, you go-getter. <laughs> and how play is like mapping out each other's psyches to better navigate mutual needs, man. <laughs> so play serious business there. It's fucking real. <laughs> what about you, love bunnies? How do you incorporate play in your relationships? Do you have any other examples or ideas you want to share? Ooh. Do you have any feedback? Did you fall asleep? Wake up! Wake up! <laughs> Do you want to call us weird names? Let us know. You can hit us up on the socials. We always love to hear your feedback because this stuff is not only fascinating, but very effing useful. Effing useful. Mm. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, you can always reach out to us on that ancient relic of early social networking, Facebook at facebook.com slash howtolovforever and on Instagram at howtonumeral2 love forever we really want to hear your feedback and whatever you'd like to hear us cover also reach out to us if you have a story to share and you would like to be a guest on the podcast that'd be cool we even have private mode if you want to share your story but you wish to remain anonymous <laughs> we can do it dear abby style and just read your story or questions in the podcast without any true names revealed <laughs> you can email us directly at contact at how to love forever.com don't be shy we don't bite without consent And if you feel that our show provides some value, is good for the world, or just plain entertaining, there are so many ways to show your support. You can leave us a review and a positive comment on your podcast app of choice. It definitely helps our show grow. Yeah. You can also tell all your friends to listen in because we want to touch the whole world. 
With consent. With consent, of course. And if you want to be our sugar daddy or sugar mama, you can join our supporter community on Patreon. We have a range of supporter levels to choose from, starting at just $3 a month. <gasps> my goodness. That's less than the price of the average divorce. Oh, my goodness. So what do you get? Early access, <gasps> extra content, behind-the-scenes looks at our processes, yeah. full video versions of our interviews, and more. <laughs> Check us out at patreon.com slash howtoloveforever. And have you ever wondered about how they film all those love scenes in your favorite movies? Mm. And maybe how the Me Too movement has affected it all? Well, join us next week for an enlightening interview we had the great pleasure of sharing with intimacy coordinator Megan Gilron. Mm-hmm. We had a blast speaking with her. We learned so much more than we had ever imagined about the nuances of shooting intimate scenes in Hollywood. And we look forward to sharing all of that with you. So until next week, love bunnies, remember, love deep, love hard, love love forever. forever. And play while you do it. That's right. And if you are going to stick a stick of dynamite between your teeth, I do not condone lighting it. It also, it's not good to kiss. I mean, like the gunpowder taste, that ain't sexy. Not for most of us. It does make for a more impactful scene, though. Oh, gross. (laughs) No. Let's go play midnight punk rock tennis. Sure, can I have a nap first?